Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Harrow, and we are keeping score. Some say this is a fairly dull time in sports because we don't have championships coming up. Well, we have the Final Four in the NCAA, and we have hockey and basketball right around the corner. But don't make any mistake of thinking this is a boring time. It is not. It is a big time for all sports in the $1.3 trillion business of sports. And let's go to deals, three to one. Number three, the NFL Combine gets underway. Playoffs might get wilder. Playoff uh, ideas with the Players Association and the NFL look to add a team in each conference to a total of 14. If finalized as part of the new CBA, the format change would eliminate one preseason game, would mark the first expansion since 1990 when the league went from 10 to 12 in the playoffs. The proposal would eliminate the first round bye for two seeds, so the playoff structure would look like this. Six wildcard games, up from four, four divisional, two conference, and the Super Bowl. Six wildcard games would see the NFL dominating the entire weekend like college basketball does during March Madness. College football and the NFL Combine throughout the fall. And last Friday, NFL player reps chose not to vote on a new labor deal approved by the owners, but the current CBA expires after the 2020 season, which officially means March 18. Objections to an expanded regular season are considered the main stumbling block for player approval, but a lot of money on the table. Prediction, they'll get it done. That's number three. Number two, the women's soccer organization seeks damages. Players on the U.S. women's national team seeking more than $66 million in damages as part of their gender discrimination suit against the U.S. Soccer Federation. The damages, according to the AP, were included in a slew of papers filed Thursday night in U.S. District Court in L.A. ahead of a trial scheduled to start May 5. Among the documents filed, separate collective bargaining agreements of the men's and women's teams, which had not previously been made public. The women's team sued the Federation last March, alleging institutional gender discrimination that includes inequitable compensation between the men's and women's teams, and each side in the class action suit asked for summary judgment in their favor. That's number two. Number one, UFC. The celebrity investors have a chokehold on a $300 million dividend. UFC championship draining its cash reserves to fund big payouts to celebrity players. Even the fighters gripe that they're vastly underpaid, they say. The New York Post say the star-studded list includes Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, uh, Jujelle Bunchen, Ben Affleck, Serena and Venus Williams, and roughly half the $300 million will go to Endeavor, the entertainment holding company run by Hollywood super agent Aria Manuel, which bought a 50% stake in UFC in 2016 for $4 billion. Celebrity investments in sports entities aren't all that unusual. MLS teams and horse racing consortiums have a high number of celebrity backers, for example. But a sports concern draining its cash reserves to pay off already wealthy celebrity hobbyists might be unprecedented. And that's number one. Well, there are companies that deal with a whole bunch of niche sports as they get in them, and there are individuals who are known 
around the world as folks who you want to be involved when you start these companies and you take them to the next level. Carlos Silva, one of those guys. He's the CEO of World Team Tennis, and he joined them last year. But prior to joining WTT, he served four years as league president of Professional Fighters League, CEO of the World Series of Fighting, uh, launched and served as chief operating officer and president of NBC Universal Sports Network, senior vice president with AOL Time Warner, while at AOL, responsible for developing AOL sports news and money into top premier digital destinations. He's on the board of Park Lane, a premier sports investment bank in L.A., previously served as a partner. If you want to know the common interests and differences when you start up leagues and where you go from there to the next level, especially world team tennis beginning to dominate some headlines, here's Carlos Silva. Sports professor Rick Harrell beyond the scoreboard, inside the boardroom, and I am really pleased to reunite with an old friend from a number of entrepreneurial ventures, all successful in their own way, but certainly diverse. Carlos Silva, who is now CEO of World Team Tennis. How are you? How are you doing, Rick? Good to see you. I am amazed, amazed to run into you, and great. This is the Sports Industry Networking Career Conference at GW University. They find everybody here. This is the typical conference where... Two percent of the people are accosted by ninety-eight percent of the students who want jobs, who want advice, and it's part of the obligation in the industry, wouldn't you say, to kind of give back and share advice with people? Oh yeah, you know, and a, and a couple things for me. Uh, not everyone knows. I also did my master's here at GW, so not only am I a local DC guy, you know, happy to be, you know, running, you know, having a team here in Washington, which is really great. But you know, when GW wants something, you know, my dad spent his entire career at GW. He came here as a doctor and finished as a medical director, you know, here. So GW is important to me. It's good to be on campus. It's good to see all the kids. Well, and the favor runs the other way, by the way. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. But um, the guy was president of the Professional Fighters League World Series of Fighting, the COO of NBC Universal Sports Network, which I was involved with as well, AOL Time Warner, he was involved with uh, news, money, all those aspects of it, and is still alive to tell the next day. So serial entrepreneur in the most flattering sense is how I would describe you. Talk about your journey. No, I appreciate it, Rick. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've been on both sides. I've been kind of little company, big company, little company, big company, back and forth. You know, we sold, we got very lucky and sold an early interactive television company to, to AOL in 1998. Uh, you know, some of you that are a little older will remember like the web TV days um, back in the late 90s. And so, you know, I was lucky enough to jump into, you know, early AOL with with, you know, guys like Ted Leonsis who didn't own sports teams, but, you know, just had a great mind and and sort of feeling for where the the momentum of businesses were going, you know, ran sports there. We did a lot of really cool things before anyone was doing cool things. I mean, we we streamed March Madness first before anyone was streaming March Madness. Hey, pretty and, good idea. And where, yeah, where, you know, that was like, that, that was like 2002. <laughs> yeah. And Amazing. so it was, it was really a great run. You know, look, we launched, we launched a great uh, network in, in Universal Sports that, yeah. you know, is nice to sort of see living on now as the yeah. Olympic Channel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've just done a lot of innovative things over the years. I, I got lucky enough to be able to take all of these things as part of my journey, but then get offered the opportunity to run uh, world Team Tennis that's been around for a long time, but sort of maybe needed a little bit of a, uh, you know, a fresh coat of paint is sort of how I'd like to say it. I mean, the league's been around for 44 years. This will be our 45th year. 
Uh, but it, I think over the last couple of years, it just sort of needed a little new energy. And so lucky enough, I got the opportunity and, and frankly was able to take so many of the things I've seen over the years and try to bring them all together here. And of course, Carlos, who is a shameless self-promoter, not true. He's promoting the product that he's involved with. So he's been running around this conference with a WTT hat, which he doesn't know, but I'm going to trade my book for his hat in a few minutes <laughs> right after this interview is over. We'll talk about WTT in a second, but the common characteristics that uh, that are uh, help your entrepreneurial success, is there a way you can generalize the, the traits that have caused you to be so successful in so many different areas? You know, I look, some of it, uh, you hear it from so many, some of it's showing up every day yeah. and working hard every day. And that's, you know, that's seven days a week. That's not five days a week. You know, sport, you know, the great thing about sports is you kind of get used to knowing that, you know, look, it's Saturday morning and we're here, we're at the conference and, you know, it's no big deal. It's no, just another yeah. day. We're lucky enough to be in sports. Yeah. So, so many of the kids or even me throughout my career you know, never complain that on a Saturday night at 8 p.m. you've got to go to an event and it's work because yeah. guess what? We're, yeah. we're in the sports business yeah. and, right. and it's a really a great opportunity. So I think, I think a lot of it's just hard work and, and really putting in the time. And then like anything, you, sometimes you get lucky, but you know, you only get lucky if you're there. And so if you, can, if you can show up every day and put in the hard work, I think it makes a big difference. Well, and obviously the mind that thinks outside the box and, and the opportunity to connect dots and all of the things that you are humble about because you didn't mention them, and, and I'll mention them. You're the best, okay? Just so you know, you're the I best. I appreciate it, Rick. Let's talk about WTT because it's one of those brands that everybody remembers. I still have some Boston Lobster paraphernalia. That's awesome. Uh, with, you know, Navratilova stuff. It's all great. But tell me how basically you've revived and are reviving the brand. Yeah, was, well, you know, I joined in uh, January of 2019. At the time, we had six teams. Uh, I sort of started to lay out my three-year plan. And the first thing that I looked at was, you know, six teams is sort of a funny number. And I really wanted to create content for distribution. Uh, we had started to talk to CBS and ESPN about getting in the game again. So the first thing we did was we, we, we sat down at the league level and we sort of followed what some other teams had done, leagues had done like MLS and said, maybe the league should launch some, launch some teams and really stand up some teams that look great. And if we could get to eight teams, we'd all of a sudden have a postseason. Mm -hmm. So with eight teams now, four teams can make the postseason. You know, one can play four, two can play three, mm -hmm. and you've got a playoff system. So we immediately did that. We launched new teams in Las Vegas and Orlando in 2019. So that was sort of step one. Step two was go and get distribution because no one really knew us. We had sort of decayed a little bit in terms of the audience growth. And so we went in, uh, with some great partners at CBS, did a deal with CBS. And, and the nice thing is we got broadcast CBS yeah, right. and we got CBS Digital. Sports Network. Yeah. And then of course, some great friends over at ESPN that are in the tennis business in a big way with Wimbledon, the US Open, the Australian Open. They really liked it too, and so they took half of our season, and we took the digital side of that and put it on ESPN+. Plus. So now we had broadcast, we had cable, and we had digital. And so it was a nice mix for 2019, and that'll all continue in 2020. And then the last piece was you gotta attract big names. As much as we all love tennis, people want big names, so we I would we brought for, everybody in. I would tune in for Carlos Silva. You mean uh, that's well, not, maybe that's not maybe maybe back in the day, <laughs> but you know, look, we got Isner, Sloan yeah. Stevens, Azarenka, Venus, um, you know, Taylor Fritz on you know new, and you know Francis Tiafo, some of the young young up and comer great players, and the, the list just went on and on. And then this year, 
In 2020, we've added another wrinkle, which is a million dollars of postseason prize money. And so now all of a sudden, the Bryant brothers and Sam Query and all these guys are like, you know what, I want to yeah, play because care. this feels yeah. like a big tournament. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think that's sort of the beginning of this three-year plan that we've got. Long-term expansion, when, when where, how many? You know, I think, I think uh, we get to nine teams here. We just announced Chicago last week for 2020. That's exciting. We also added an all-star event. It's this weekend, uh, in, next weekend in La Costa. It's going to be really great. Also on big CBS. Uh, I think expansion continues to have probably 12 teams here in the U.S. And then I think the next piece of big expansion is either Asia or Europe with a group. And that group would play during the regular season, and then the winner would advance to a, to a playoff, so hopefully here in Las Vegas. But I think that's like a 2022 plan. So that's, that's sort of how we're looking at it. Are you happy with what you're doing? Obviously, you can tell the passion, but I've always known you as a passionate guy. So what makes this so special? Well, you know, for me, it's, it's taking everything I've done, and tennis has been part of my whole life. I mean, I started playing when I was eight years old. I played college tennis. I tried for a moment to play, uh, play after college. I earned a, earned a you know, couple, do- couple bucks on the pro, pro circuit you up in pro Canada. You Seriously? Yeah, I, I, I actually uh, earned one pro paycheck in my entire life. At, where was the decimal? That point? was up. It was two hundred. I remember it was two hundred and thirty-two Canadian dollars. Which is and like I picked s- up the check. Seven American dollars. Yeah, I picked up the check, <laughs> and I was my proudest moment because I, I could say I was a professional. And uh, that you. was after Boston College, and it was great. And and so this lets me bring it all together. Yeah. Little little known fact about Carlos Silva. Yeah. So ten years from now, where is the WTT? Uh, you know, 10 years from now, I think it's uh, it, it's regarded as a major league. It's a major piece of the calendar on the tennis calendar across the year. And I think it, it solidifies men and women playing together in the best tennis event of the year. And I think uh, I think if we can say all that, then I think it's great for sponsors. It's great for, you know, CBS's and ESPN's and Fox's. Let's go to our Sports Tech Minute. The XFL looking to change how advertisements work in football. Variety says the new league St. Louis Battlehawks triumphs over the Dallas Renegades featured Bud Light seltzer sticker sponsors on Texans team helmets, an advertising approach so far avoided by the NFL and similarly by baseball. Additionally, followers of the St. Louis team might have even been more interested in Bud Light hard seltzer as the drinks were deliberately featured in videos of a Battlehawks locker room celebration sent out over uh, social media. The NHL already embeds ads and the ice, and the NBA has allowed teams to sell jersey patches to sponsors. But with younger viewers growing accustomed to streaming video favorites with fewer ads, and in some cases none, big sports leagues have in recent years pared down some of the interruptions in game broadcast. The NFL and Fox this year took a commercial break out of each quarter of Super Bowl 54, following a few seasons of the NFL removing some commercial breaks from regular season games. The switch to more in-game advertisement by the XFL may force the hand of the NFL to follow a similar model, and that's your Sports Tech Minute. Finally, the Power of Sports Minute. We're talking fashion, sport, and philanthropy at New York Fashion Week, and Visa talks about combining them all, longtime sponsor of NFL, FIFA, and the Olympics. They've experienced engaging consumers and clients around major sports events. Now, according to Adweek, the financial services company, creating dynamic activations on the runway. Visa focused on expanding its footprint in fashion since it became the first official payment tech partner of New York Fashion Week in 2018. 
for the latest season, which kicked off February 3 and runs through February 12. The brand merged its involvement with fashion and sports by highlighting women impacting both industries. Revisa's fourth season as a sponsor, the brand worked with agency IMG Fashion Division to expand its event footprint at Manhattan Spring Studios venue with a new startup competition, a revamped retail experience, and a panel featuring brand ambassadors across fashion and sports. Connecting women's empowerment to fashion and sports is a no-brainer. The brand had just come off the Super Bowl activations in Miami and planning on-the-ground projects in Tokyo for the Olympics. That's your Power of Sports Minute. Interesting show this week. We'd like to thank Carlos Silva for participating in our podcast. We'd like to thank you all to uh, understanding the diversity of all of the events this week. Some say February swoon. It is clearly not heading to March and April with even more sports. And join us next week when we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.